श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा के जाए ग्रंथराज श्रीमद् भागवतम के जाए discussing the first canto fifth chapter from the bhagavatam narada's instruction instructing vyasadev and uh, in our last meeting we heard narada implore vyasadev to enter into samadhi a samadhi uh, focused on the pastimes of Krishna and we heard that Vyas uh, Nar described Vyas in ways that make it clear that he was eminently qualified uh, to do so it's not something we just sit down and enter into samadhi <clears throat> but uh, Vyas was very qualified and um, and he did so and this gave rise to Srimad Bhagavatam this is the basis then of Srimad Bhagavatam, the Samadhi Bhasha, the language of trance that uh, Srimad Bhagavatam constitutes. So now Narada is going to drill this point home. This is his basic instruction to him as to how to remedy the problem. He's spoken about what the problem of Vyasa is and now exactly what to do about it. He's told him, and he's going to contrast that with what Vyasa has done thus far and the problem with that. We'll find here in these instructions of Nara to Vyasa some some repetition, but it's a repetition of points that are not always that easy to grasp intellectually or theoretically, and much more difficult to put into practice, to forego karma and gyan, gyan karmadi anavritam. He's he's speaking really here about bhaktis directly, the sarup lakshan of bhakti and the tatasta lakshan. A lot of emphasis on the tatasta lakshan. Tatasta lakshan, lakshan means uh, characteristic, so the marginal characteristic. Marginal characteristic of bhakti is gyan karmadi and avritam anyabhilashita sunyam. The influence of bhakti, I should say, is defined marginally as shuddha bhakti, pure devotion, which we're learning about, is characterized marginally as not being covered by karma and jhan. That means that Basically, that the Bhagavatam implores us to tread a path. Narada is imploring Vyas to tread a path of devotion to Bhagavan that has no motive, no motive for material gain, karma, neither for uh, liberation unto itself. He wants to stress the point that simply by taking to bhakti, whatever could have been attained on the karma marg or on the gyan marg, and much more will be attained indeed. 
what's really offered on each of these two paths cannot be attained without some bhakti being factored in for that matter. So this is the kind of emphasis we find here. And if we understand the um, definition of Rupa Goswami, for example, of Shuddha Bhakti, um, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, drawn from the Bhagavatam, drawn from Nard Pancharatra, he draws from the third canto of Bhagavatam where Kapila Deva describes Shuddha Bhakti from the first canto where uh, Sutta Goswami has defined uh, Uttam Bhakti in answer to the sage's question, what is the most uh, perfect occupation for human society? These kinds of verses. And so, Nara is going over this again and again from directly and indirectly speaking about it. So, he encouraged Vyas to meditate on the pastimes of Sri Krishna. And, of course, then what would come out of that would be the book, Srimad Bhagavatam, which is all about Krishna's uh, Prakat Lila, the manifest Lila on earth, the significance of that, and so forth. This then, um, in place, Srimad Bhagavatam becomes the hub around which all the scriptures orbit and, in context, um, in relation to that hub, that center will be understood properly. So because it's not in place yet, he's going to make some strong statements here, Nard, about what Vyasa has done so far, writing about karma, writing about gyan, and so forth. So as we'll hear. Here tonight he says, first of all, he says, Tatonitakinchana yad bivakshataha he says that Tatonyata Kinchana Yad Bibakshata Pritak Dusha. Prabhupada translates it, whatever you desire to describe that is separate in vision from the Lord simply reacts with different forms, names, and results to agitate the mind as a wind agitates a boat which has no resting place. So as you may recall, in the previous verse, he talked about, he encouraged Vyasa to enter into samadhi. So samadhi means one-mindedness. Here now he's speaking about the opposite of one-mindedness. Uh, Splayed out uh, intelligence in the language of the Gita. Bahushaka yanantascha, Krishna says. The ordinary people, common people, bahushaka yanantascha. Bahushaka means many branched. Their intelligence is many branched. It means it's going in many different directions. And in samadhi, then, some of you are familiar with that, right? And in samadhi, then the intelligence is, 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 is fixed. Indeed, we've been reading, studying a little bit about anishtita, 
bhajana kriya. That bhajana kriya, that kriya, that uh, activity of devotion, ordained by, instructed by, edited by, um, by the guru. When we come under the shelter of the guru, then he or she teaches us, you should conduct yourself like this, you should chant like this, and so on and so forth. And we enter into our bhajan life, bhajana kriya. And it has two phases, one of which is in which the student is unsteady in the adherence and the practice. And the other stage, one becomes steady, nishta. So nishta is far from samadhi. How much the mind must be fixed and intelligence one-minded in... uh, in, in samadhi, if it is to be fixed, even at the stage of nishta, hmm? nishta before ruchi, before attachment for Krishna and bhava, and so forth. This is very much really what Srimad Bhagavatam is about. As I said, without the Bhagavatam in place, then Narada has characterized the work of Vyas as being counterproductive, detrimental, uh, a, um, a disservice to the public. Bhagavatam is commentary on the sutras, and the sutras seek to show the concordance of all the literature, how, how all the Upanishads and, are really pointing in the same direction, which you might not be able to gather reading them yourself. And uh, so the Bhagavatam is Vyasa's commentary on the sutras. So it is really the logic, the nyaya, the logic of scripture. At the same time, it's a book of rasa. It's a very wonderful accomplishment if through poetry to show the logic of uh, all of the sacred texts and how they are all pointing in the same direction with a concerted point uh, one-pointedness, which is what we're to come to, one-pointedness. The wonderful thing about that, of course, is as we become one-pointed in our devotion, then we can understand and interrelate, for that matter, with everything from that perspective. Whereas if we go after everything without going after the one-pointedness of the focus on Bhagavan through bhakti, then we come up short even in terms of understanding the things that we interact with for what they really are. We end up uh, uh, getting nowhere. It's the same idea of, well, um, sometimes people say that I have many gurus, but if we don't have one guru, we won't have many. But if we have one, we will have many. One guru will acquaint us with the entirety of the guru parampara, proper understanding, and so on and so forth. And uh, and from there, then we'll be able to take advantage of so many others, siksha gurus, and so on and so forth. But if we don't accept one guru in the name of many, then we end up really with none. We have the guru of our own mind, where we pick and choose what we like, and... and uh, this is not the not the teaching. So, someone pointedness, one-mindedness, and 
The common people don't have that. That's what's really being said here. And it's being said um, in a preface to a very sharp criticism, as I say, that's coming on the part of Nard uh, in relation to what, what Vyasa has done with all of his writing so far. He's written about many things. The uh, Veda is compared to a tree in Bhagavatam itself, Niguma Kalpaturo. So it's a Kalpaturo, a tree from which you can get anything. So all kinds of information, all kinds of knowledge is, is found there. But what's it really all about? What is the ripened fruit of the tree? That's not so easy for everyone to uh, ascertain. And, and so this is the condition of ordinary people. Krishna says it in the Gita. Uh, to show the contrast here that this verse constitutes from the previous verse, we quote the Gita. Krishna says, Bhogaishvarya prasaktanam he says, Boga Aishvarya, Boga and Aishvarya, so enjoyment and material acquisition, Boga Aishvarya Prasaktanam, Asaktanam. If one is attached, too much attached to Boga and Aishvarya, to enjoyment, and material opulence, and acquisition. The Vyabhasayatmika Buddhi, which Krishna mentions a couple of verses back in the Gita, this is from the second chapter. Vyabhasayatmika Buddhi is, is, means fixed intelligence, one-minded intelligence, relative to the point I just made in his commentary on the verse. Vyabhasayatmika Buddhi, Hmm. What is it? Bhushaka uh, hinantascha. I already mentioned the first line of that. Ordinary people are many, their intelligence is many branched, but you should become fixed in your intelligence. Commenting, one pointed in your intelligence, commenting on that verse, great Vishwanath or the venerable Acharya says, and my fixation is that, uh, what does he say? He says, Satisfying the Guru, Krishna satisfied. Without satisfying the Guru, Krishna can never be satisfied. It's a verse from the Shastakam or Gurbastakam of Vishwanath Chakravartakura. I believe Prabhupada cites it. Vishwanath Chakravartakura writes about adhering to all of the advices of the Guru. He says, This is my one minded. Uh, intelligence. Prabhupada had this kind of a guru, we speak about nishta, guru nishta, this kind of a guru nishta. He used to tell us that, oh my, whenever he was praised, he'd say, my success is only that I followed the order of my guru. Hmm? We look carefully at the order of his guru, we find it was, uh, came in a letter to him as a suggestion. I think it would be good for you to preach in English. Prabhupada took it like an order. Hmm? and made his whole life centered around that. Another occasion, I think, and maybe at Radhakundam and Parakram, the uh, uh, celebrating of the holy places of Vrindavan is done annually in Kartik. But he said, Antasarasati Thakur told him, if you ever get money, print books. So he kind of put these two things together, preaching, print books, and it was his real focus. Everything else, as he saw it, came out of that. So there was a kind of a guru nishta, 
real uh, fixed in the in uh, in faithfulness and uh, adherence, chastity to the guru. Chastity, of course, in a dynamic sense. Also, this idea of chastity, the guru, can very much be misunderstood and turned into some type of fanatic fundamentalist. Uh, idea of Gaudiya Vaishnavism that is very unappealing and un-Gaudiya-like, un-Hindu-like for that matter, which is a very accommodating type of, inclusive type of a tradition. Gaudiya Vaishnavism is also very uh, inclusive. Um, It's exclusive, (laughs) but it's inclusive because it's exclusively focused on Prem and it seeks to demonstrate how every other religious conception and and experience falls with, within that, so to speak, under the broader idea of bhakti, of prema dharma. Hmm. Uh, this is the big umbrella which all religious conceptions fit underneath or within. Hmm. So it's very charitable, um, even while we differ from different sampradayas in our points. Uh, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami, for example, in making a very strong argument in the second chapter of Chaitanya Charitamrita for the um, position of Krishna Swami Bhagavan, the source of all incarnations, the source of Narayan, and further the argument that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is that same Krishna. After making a very strong argument, and if you study his arguments carefully there in that second chapter, that extend a little bit into the third chapter as well, especially with regard to establishing the position of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, you can see that he's, he's dealing with other sampradayas. You can see he's dealing with the Ramanuja sampradaya in particular because of the, some of the verses that he quotes and so forth. He's making a strong point. It's a controversial point at the time because it was thought that Narayan is the source of all the avatars and, uh, and this idea that, that Krishna was the source of Narayan and he was the, his abode is the Mahavaikuntham and so on and so forth. This is a revolutionary idea that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came it's not that it's not found in the scripture, but it's not understood. It's not, it wasn't drawn out in a systematic way and pointed out. So pointing it out sometimes, even though it's there, to people who haven't seen it and read over it and didn't understand it in that way, makes it a controversial point. But anyway, after making this point very strongly, he says, but anyway, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that Krishna Swayambhagwan, the source of Narayan, the source of all avatars, and Krishna, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is that same Krishna. That's a really heavy one. I mean, <laughs> you just say that he's God, period. Some guy in Bengal, you know, who started a religious cult uh, that, uh, that, that even seemed to contradict uh, a lot of uh, what was thought to be the Hindu uh, dharma and religion and so forth. His all-night kirtans were, were um, objected to because people couldn't sleep at night and they... Uh, criticized Sri Vastakur who was hosting those kirtans. Hmm? <laughs> and so on. those kirtans, enter into that kirtan. This is the goal of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Hmm? The holy love Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was pointing to that, how to enter into the kirtan at the house of Sri Vastakur. Hmm? So, anyway, after making his point that Chaitanya Krishna is the Swami Bhagavan and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is that Krishna, he says, but anyway, if someone wants to think of Chaitanya as the manifestation of, uh, of Mahavishnu, hmm, something like that, we, it's not wrong. We don't 
it's not entirely wrong. You, that angle of vision, he said, we can, we can, it's, 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 it's okay to look from that angle of vision. It's not the whole picture. Notice he doesn't go too far with his generosity. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say, if you don't want to think that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is not God, it's okay. He doesn't go that far. If you want to think he's God, but he's not Swayam Bhagavan, you know, that's all right. If you want to think he's a, he's a, an avatar of um, Mahavishnu, he says it's not very flattering, but all right, you can, you can accept. This is kind of the Vaikuntha view at best of, uh, of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that may be improving as the time has gone on here with the, the um, great contribution of the Gaudiya Sampradaya. It was Bhaktivinoda Thakur who, who said that all of the four Vaishnava Sampradayas will come under the banner of Gaudiya Vaishnavism in time. We may wonder, well, when's that going to happen? Well, in many respects it has, actually, because Gaudiya Vaishnavism has given life to all of these Vaishnav Sampradayas in a way that they very well they hadn't they didn't have previously. They had some life in India, but they were being um, they were on the way towards extinction or being eclipsed uh, by by modernity and so forth. And it was Gaudiya Vaishnavism in the person of Bhaktivinoda Thakur that, that interfaced with modernism and took Gaudiya Vaishnavism outside of India and so forth and made a bridge largely through his grand disciples' work, Pujapadji, Bhaktivedanta Swami, Prabhupada, built a bridge. And all the Vaishnavas could walk on that and uh, get access to academia and, and this um, monopoly, if you will, of Advaita Vedanta, which was uh, in place. In other words, if you went to school and you learned about Hinduism, you would learn that it culminated in what's called Advaita Vedanta. There was no idea of the Shishta Dvaita, Dvaita Dvaita, Veda Veda, all these nuanced forms of devotional Vedanta. But Gaudiya Vaishnavism forged that um, and uh, and as a result, then you know, the Ramanujas have come to America and opened temples, and even the Madhvas are now. It's a very it's a very small sect. They're following the some of them following the uh, lead of the Gaudias in this regard. So they've done much to give um, recognition and uh, acknowledgement to all these uh, uh, various sects, even of Vaishnavism, even while we. We differ from them, hmm? theologically in some ways, nuanced ways. But again, he's very generous. He says, well, if you want to see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, well, it's not wrong. Hmm? If you want to see Krishna as the avatar of Narayan, well, they see like that in Vaikuntha. In Vaikuntha they see, oh, Narayan has a side to himself. Sometimes... On the Janamastami day, he, he plays that out in Vaikuntha, and all the devotees take part in that. <laughs> uh, I think it's an aspect, a kind of a, I don't know, a rather uh, um, acute aspect, I guess, <laughs> they would think, of, uh, of, of Narayan. Mm-hmm. But... This is not the whole picture. This is what Krishna's Kaviraj is bringing out. So anyway, I break, bring this point up only to say that Gaudiya Vaishnavism is very broad, very generous. Mm-hmm. 
very accommodating, as Hinduism is. And uh, we make it uh, sometimes, unfortunately, very, very small. Hmm? By Amar Guru, Jagat Guru. We should all feel like this. My Guru, it's kind of like saying, my Guru is the best Guru, but we should add with a footnote, for me. <laughs> for me, is the best. I, I don't go beat everybody else over the head with that, that... Uh, that he should give up your guru and accept my guru or only my guru. This kind of thing is is uh, not. Uh, this is this is the this is uh, the weak faith that requires an enemy. These kinds of persons with komal shraddha, only tender faith like this, that need an enemy. They shouldn't be in the in the fore, teaching, educating. Hmm? This is this is not this is not show. The real uh, face of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, its kindness, its generosity, its, its accommodation, and so forth, mm. and so on. So, this we want to come to, and in order to come to this, we have to be a little one minded <laughs> at the same time. Uh, we have to be fixed uh, in, a, in a right place, in the right way, uh, and then one day we turn around and we see. My guru is everywhere. God is everywhere. This is the teaching. It's like we, we teach here. You come to the temple, focus on the deity in the morning and the evening, so on. So one day you'll turn around and see the deity is everywhere. Hmm? There's the reason we have a moral lapse in anishta bhajanakriya is because we have not yet understood the universality of the deity. We see the deity in the temple and we conduct ourselves in a certain way there. But then we go to our yurt, <laughs> or hopefully we have to go further than that to forget about him, but it's possible. And uh, and there we have lapse in our practice. If, if, but if we wouldn't do that in the temple, something like that. So the idea is to focus in such a way that we'll eventually see the universality of the deity. So, after all, he's everywhere. And nowhere. Everything's in him, he says. In Gita, everything's in me. I'm not in everything. So, so Nard has advised Vyas to be one-minded, fix yourself on Krishna, let his leela manifest in your heart. This is, this is what you should do to rectify your despondency. Other people just see the difference. Hmm? They have no samadhi. Bhogaishvarya prasaktanam teapriti chetasam. Devasyadnika buddhir. Samadhu na vihid. Samadhu na. It means samoda. They don't get samadhi. 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 Dhi means intelligence. Sama means complete. So complete intelligence. Complete knowing. Complete knowing by complete absorption. In, in the object. Hmm. The object is Krishna. Complete absorption in that, you arrive at complete knowing. It's a kind of omniscience, but not the uh, omniscience that the yogis seek. Hmm. It's the kind of all-knowing or end of knowledge that Krishna speaks about in the Gita. Hmm. When he says, Rajavidyam, Rajavidya Radhukuyam Pavitram Idam Uttamam Pratyaksha Bhagamam Dharmam Susukam Kartam Abhyayam. He makes a very nice statement here. 
in the Gita, he says, this is, I'm going to speak to you of the king of knowledge, the most secret of secrets. It's the purest thing. And it is, it is, uh, it is, the, it is the perfection of dharma. He's, he's co- combining dharma and jnana. Generally, jnana retires dharma or karma. Hmm? Same idea. Karma or dharma here means the religious life for things, for acquiring things. This is what most people are interested in. And this is mostly what the Veda is about. Therefore, it's called trigunya. And therefore, Krishna says, trigunya vishaya veda nistrigunyo babarjuna nidyoga chematmavan. He tells him to come, the same thing, come to bhakti, near yoga, chema. You don't have to worry about yoga and chema, about what you carry and what you lack. Hmm? I take care of that. Hmm? Rise above this pursuance of that which falls within the jurisdiction of the, of the trigunya, of the three gunas, of the modes of nature. And the Vedas are mostly about that. This is the greater, by far, part of the sacred text, about material acquisition, albeit in a sophisticated way, but the end is the same. And if you look that unto itself, hmm? um, of course, we're not talking about just something out of the past where people used to follow the Veda or something, but even today, of course, people, the general religious conception people have is religion is for acquiring things. Even they talk about eternal life, they want to go there with non-eternal things. <laughs> they want an eternal life that has things that aren't eternal <laughs> included within them. So their idea of what eternal life is is, 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 is mixed up. It's a kind of a rajasic idea. Maybe in the high end it's a sattvic idea. You want to go to heaven like it's found in the sacred texts of the Hindus and so forth. And there are things there that are impermanent, but the duration of the experience is so long, oh, it might as well be eternal. If you, I tell you, you know, you have 80 years to live, and now I've changed that, I'll give you a blessing. You have 800 billion years to live. And you think, wow, I forgot I have a long time here. I don't have anything to worry about. So heaven is something like that. Long, long lifespan, but it ends. Again, one comes down. This is this is a lesson, of course. No matter how good it seems, material acquisition is disappointing. However, however long you may keep it, you cannot keep it forever. And, you, and the point is, you are forever. You are forever. How long is forever? You know, we compare eighty years to eight hundred million. Now compare forever to eight hundred million. <laughs> the contrast is even greater. You live forever. The things don't. So, preoccupation with the things, he says. This samadhana, you will never get samadhi like this. You will never get complete knowledge. And complete knowledge, perfect knowledge, is that knowledge by which we can become perfectly happy. It's not the perfect knowledge or the if you will, or the omniscience that the yogis seek after, that which is possessed by the Paramatma. The Paramatma is the Ishta, the, the, the deity of the uh, Ishta Deva of the, of the yogis. So they want in Yoga Samadhi omniscience like the Ishwar. 
Yoga is very much about knowing everything, right? Knowing how the body works in very all the subtle organs and the subtle body and getting mastery over it and so forth. Knowing and controlling these things go together. So they want to control everything by knowing everything. This is the position of the Paramatma. They become like that. They don't become the Paramatma, but they become uh, like that. But that kind of all-knowing is not what the devotees are interested in. They're interested in the all-knowing or the, the perfect knowledge. The king of knowledge would be the most knowing. And this is what Krishna speaks about in the Gita. And there again, he said, this Radhavidya, it's very curious because it's it's the king of knowledge, but it's religious. As I said earlier, usually knowledge retires religion. In other words, knowledge that you're eternal retires the pursuit, however sophisticated, of temporary things. Now, by sophisticated, I mean a religious pursuit of things as we find uh, articulated in the sacred text. It's very uh, complicated and sophisticated path how to bathe, how to eat, how to marry, how to sleep, head in which direction, what, what sacrifice to perform in order to w- w- ward off this and, and acquire this and so on and so forth. It's very uh, detailed and you have to follow all the details perfectly in order to get the, the right result and so forth. So however sophisticated the process, the result of the acquisition of temporary things or a long life, in relation to temporary things, a temporary life nonetheless. Hmm? All of that is retired by the knowledge of our own eternality. So the Gyan Marg retires the Karma Marg or the Dharma Marg. Hmm? It's thought sometimes amongst the Gyanis that when Krishna says Sarva Dharma Pratyajama Mekam Sadhanam Braja, that what he's saying is give up Dharma and take sannyas, which is part of the Gyan Marg. Sannyas means to give up hmm, everything. Hmm. Bhakti is not about giving up everything. It's about accepting Krishna. So if you study the Gita a little more carefully, he says, Sabradharman Jamami come, Shadamraji. Give up everything, yes, in the context of coming to me. Hmm? And I own everything. So again, you're in touch with everything. You give up the idea that anything is meant for you. Make Krishna yours. And then you have the friend who owns everything. That's better than trying to own everything yourself. You become the friend of the person who actually owns everything. It's a very simple idea. Hmm? So, when he says that this, dar- this, this king of knowledge is, is, is the best of dharma, he's saying that this bhakti is super-religious. It looks like dharma. Hmm? It has more of a worldly appearance to it. But we're not sitting in a cave here. Of course, we are in the woods. But <laughs> we do employ all types of things in the service of, uh, of Bhagwan. Hmm? And we don't think that those things are of an impermanent nature. Indeed, we think that the paraphernalia of the Lord, as I said the other night, is, is venerable by us. We worship the Murdunga. We, we ask the Murdunga to play us, the cartels to play us. You, to let us participate in the kirtan, that they are eternal uh, members of. We don't know. We hope to be an eternal member there. But we know the Kartol and the Kol is uh, a member of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's and kirtan. So we grab onto them. We should avoid thinking, I'm playing the, my monastery, how good of a 
They're done with Lea Iamitsa it's a worshipable affair. And so with all of the deities, paraphernalia and so on and so forth, this is the consciousness we are uh, striving to, uh, to, 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 to live within. So all things, yes, sarvam kolo vidam brahma. Everything is Brahman. It means all things have their utilization in the service of, of God. This is the idea. So, so we're acquiring, we're uh, eating sumptuously the remnants of Bhagwan and so on and so forth. Uh, there's an appearance of worldliness here. We publish books, other people publish books. We talk, we grow, we so on and so forth. We're not simply dressed in ashes, living in a cave, giving up all things and so forth. So it has an appearance of worldliness, but therefore, it's difficult to understand the Vaishnav. Look at it as the motive then with which one interacts with things. It's with no sense of proprietorship. And it is comprehensive detachment from things in that is derived from knowing the actual proprietor. So if you, if you, I've given an example before, if you're waiting in line in the, in, in, in the supermarket and the person in front of you drops a $20 bill on the floor, if you're a decent person, you don't step on it and wait for him to leave. Because you know it belongs to him, so you pick it up and you give it to him. It used to be in times gone by that if a man was pursuing a young lady and then he saw that she had a ring on her finger, he'd think, oh, she's taken. Hmm. So, <laughs> so uh, the idea is that knowledge of proprietorship takes away the propensity, the tendency to, to a false proprietorship, to own it for myself. Hmm. So when we bring the owner, hmm, the owner, Owner, the enjoyer, the, uh, the, the proprietor of everything into the picture. This is the whole idea of bhakti. And Krishna is depicted as he is and experienced as he is because he's the enjoyer. He's not the sacrificing end. He's the enjoying end of the sacrifice. And you have to have both. The devotee is the sacrificing end. Radha is the sacrificing end, the personification of devotion. Krishna is the enjoying end. A fellow told one of our monks that, you know, you have a, your idea of God is not as good as ours. He was a Christian. He said that Christ is sacrificing and your God is just enjoying women and all kinds of things. So how to understand that? I said, well, you've got to have two sides to the equation. If the, if the Christ is sacrificing, for whom? For somebody. What's dad doing up there? Hmm? <laughs> with all the results of the sacrifice, you have to have an enjoying end. And of course, the beautiful thing is that the enjoying end of the spectrum is rightfully so, because by taking everything, that energy is distributed everywhere. It's just like the stomach takes everything and distributes that food in a way that no other part of the body could, in a way that nourishes all other parts of the body. So there is an actual center. It's not us, but <laughs> there is an actual center. The world, as I said before, is a person. It's not us. We tend to think the world is a person and it's me. I mean, we don't consciously think like that, but unconsciously we, we look at the world like that. I'm the center. 
I'm looking at everything in terms of my sense of self and how it will be utilized for me, either grossly or in a subtle sense. So to say that reality is a person is not a stretch. We're living like that anyway. We just got the wrong person, that's all. <laughs> We're part of that person who's the center. And bringing him, the real proprietor, in, this really ends the tendency to, uh, for false proprietorship, false ownership. I mean, it's very, and also it, it just uh, should become a sense that if I conclude nothing belongs to me on the basis of my experience that I can't keep it, then the logical extension is, well, it belongs to somebody who's taking it away. That is his name, Hadi, who takes away. Hmm? So the full spectrum, the full the full uh, idea, of course, is that you, as I said, this is bhakti. And renunciation is contained within that. But how beautifully it's contained. In it. hmm? And you can interact with everything, all in the service of Krishna, without any propensity, any tendency to enjoy it for yourself. So this is a super-religious idea. This is bhakti. Krishna says, this is the end of knowledge. This is not, as I said, the omniscience of the yogi. This is a different kind of samadhi. Hmm? This is a samadhi in which that object of our devotion that we meditated on in mantra mayupasana, we took a mantra, hmm? we took a verse from Bhagavatam, we meditated on that verse describing one lila, one part of one lila of Krishna. We took the, uh, the, 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 uh, the mantra, the diksha mantra given by our guru, we meditated on it until it became alive and the pastime started to move spontaneously within our heart. Hmm? We, we took the, the, the Bhagavatam, which is like the, the um, table of contents, an outline, and we absorbed ourselves in that, and the pages started to flow. New pages, I mean. Your own page. Your own name is on the page. And there you are in the Leela. This is what Vyas experienced. This is what Nard is advocating. This kind of samadhi, and dasya, and sakya, vatsalya, madhurja, where the the Leelas of Krishna start to flow in the heart. It's a moving object, and it's many-fold. Indeed, every aspect of every lila has unlimited meaning, an unlimited diversity. Now, what I'm saying is one aspect of one lila is more diverse than all of the diversity of material existence put together, which is, in the language of Prahlad, Unapunas Jarvita. Chewing the chewed, as Vyasa said the other day, it's the re rejected refuse, the place of pilgrimage for the crows only. Hmm? There's nothing new in it at all. Hmm? It's the same old thing again and again and again. Hmm? The prostitute wears a different dress every day, but she has the same thing to offer her customer, really, when it's all said and done. It's the same thing. Hmm? You may dress it up in different ways, but it comes down to the same thing. And it's not all it's cracked up to be. So this is a very 
different idea of samadhi. I'm saying, you know, the mind is splayed out. We have moving after many things. So we'll move after one thing, Krishna. And that Krishna is moving. And that his movement will start to move in your heart. And this is the kind of all-knowing that we want. This is the end of knowledge. In that chapter of the Gita, Krishna is speaking about the end of the highest knowledge. And he culminates that chapter, concludes that chapter with the verse, says, this is the end of knowledge. Become my devotee. Love me. Offer respect to me. It's kind of simple in a way, but as I I'm saying, perfect knowledge is that knowledge, samadhi, that makes us perfectly happy. And in bhakti, as I've said before, this ananda component of the absolute is the is the component that we are centered on. Ananda means joy, ananda, bliss. So, bhakti is that knowledge by which one can become perfectly happy. One can forget about existing, forget about knowing, which are so important to us, to exist and to know. We can forego it, and you will exist and you'll know (laughs) more than you could have otherwise. So, this way Vyasa's here, uh, Nard here is contrasting what he said the night before. So you should enter samadhi of, of Krishna Leela. Not like other people who are splayed out and thinking about many topics and pursuing many different things, pursuing Aishvarya, pursuing Bhoga. They never get any samadhi. Their intelligence is splayed out. And then we'll hear tomorrow night, he says, and you, and you fostered this. He said, and you have fostered this with all you've written so far. It's a very strong statement. It has to be understood in context because these, those kind of works on, on the asas part of stressing karma and gyan, they have their place. But if bhakti is not in center, if the centerpiece of Bhagavatam is not in place, then it's a disservice to human society. Very strong language on the part of Narada. So, any question? Oh, yeah, he's everywhere. Some people see him nowhere. Some people see him everywhere. Perlad's father, Hiranyakasipu, couldn't see God anywhere. And Perlad said, I see him everywhere. And so Hiranyakasipu said, oh, yeah, well, you see him in this uh, marble pillar here? You see him in the stone? He said, yeah, I do. I see him in the stone. Stone talks to me. Why? Because my heart, which was like stone, my heart, which was like stone, is melted. That's all you have to do is melt this one stone in the heart. Then the whole world will become alive. You see, our heart is hard. That means we have a taking disposition. When we look at things and people in terms of as objects, to utilize for our own mentally conceived purpose or sense of self, 
we don't do justice to those people and things for what they really are. We take the life of them. They have, a, they have something, they have a place in relation to Bhagawan. That's to see them and that's to see the world come alive, if you will. We're taking the life out of things. You understand? This is why we say that Goloka, the spiritual world, is alive. Everything is conscious. We see the gopis in Bhagavatam. They're, they're talking to the trees. They're talking to the earth. They're talking to the flowers. They're seeing them all as better devotees than themselves. They tell the earth, oh, Krishna loves... We must have made offense. Krishna has left us, but he's always with you wherever he walks. And these trees, they're bent down. They must have paid obeisances to Krishna walking through. They're offering their fruits to him. Here we are, standing erect, thinking that he should be with us. Let's see how proud we are. It turned the whole world alive like this. So, in this way, to see him everywhere. And it's said also that in union there's one Krishna, and in separation there are millions of Krishnas. Everywhere seeing him, everything reminding me of him, everything, everywhere. When you reach a certain point in the culture of our bhakti, there's a tipping scale. There's a tipping scale now for you. Certain, if everything's really in place, the festival is really good, the talk is really good, the kirtan is really good, the prasadam is really good, you tip and go, wow, I left my mind behind for a day, for an hour, for a moment, and it was blissful. I was ecstatic. It was as if everything was alive and had something to teach me. Then at a later point, then less things will have to be in place to reach that tipping point. And in Prem, the devotee, she will see the, she, she will see the rain cloud and tip. <laughs> tip. Where is Chamsungar? Oh. See the lightning. That is his Godi. That is the, the cloud is him. Why can't I? This is the tipping point. It goes higher and higher. Hmm? <laughs> Mahaprabhu saw a, a sand hill on the beach in Puri. He thought it was Govardhan Hill. No. Don't think he thought it was Govardhan Hill. It was Govardhan Hill. This is the idea. Hmm? What is Govardhan Hill, you see? That's why I say Krishna and Bhakti are one and different. This Bhava, Prem, is what Krishna corresponds with. The hill was Govardhan Hill. Hmm? He projected his Bhava onto the sand. It turned into Govardhan Hill. He saw Krishna Leela there. So, to make the whole test, to find him everywhere. So, Prahlad said, yes, he's in the pillar. So, Pranikasipu said, well, take that, God. And he cut the pillar with his sword. See how strong he was. He could break a stone pillar with his sword. And out came Narasimha. And the lion said, you mistreated my boy. <laughs> the lion said, you mistreated my boy. And, and see how my boy acts. Hmm. You want to know how the lion boy acts? Hmm. The boy of the mystery. This is how he acts, like Prahlad. You study all the good qualities of Prahlad Maharaj. Hmm. There's somebody masquerading as a 
devotee of Nasringa, and he says, he, he calls himself Lion Boy, somebody told me. And I think you met him or heard of him, too. And this is, this is not... If you want to be the Lion Boy, that's all well and good, but you follow Prahlad, he's the Lion Boy. He turned the lion into a pussycat. Mm-hmm. And he could see him everywhere. Because he saw nothing outside of seeing things in relation to Bhagavan. So this this kind of all knowing. All knowing that everything is related to Bhagavan. It's not mine. Calm and praying are not the same. They're very different. There's only an appearance of the same. They're very different. What else? Another question? Yes. Take your hand away from your mouth because I can't understand. How do you melt the heart? How do you understand how to melt the heart? It's not so much of a head thing. <laughs> You're too much in your head, then it will be hard to melt your heart. Well, the idea is this that our heart is a little hard because we're selfish. We have a hard heart. means we're selfish. We're seeing things as uh, seeing the world for our own small purpose. And it's very small. But the world of our mind is very small. It doesn't even make us happy. But we expect everybody else to live with it and be happy. That's very unreasonable. We're not even comfortable there. We're to speak of somebody else, and everybody else for that matter, as is the idea. So to come out from that selfishness is the idea of melting the heart. And so how to do that? You have to start giving. Now here we teach how to give in a comprehensive way. So even though your heart is like a stone, what we suggest is give your heart to Krishna. You give your heart to Krishna. It's like a stone. And then he will, he will touch it and it will melt. <laughs> That's the idea. He can melt stone. So we're really teaching that, how to give your heart to Krishna. That's why we sing in the morning the songs. That's why it's important to know the meaning of the song so we can better give our heart. So that's why I say we have to use our head to soften our heart. So I should give some talks about the meanings of the songs and how they were composed and, and so on and so forth. Why they're sung at different times and that will help all of you to soften your heart. But that's what we're doing here. We're, we're kind of getting out of our head in a sense by by not being used by our head, but learning to use our head to soften our heart. So a wise, to cultivate a wise kind of love, that is bhakti. Hmm? But in a general sense, beyond that, of course, we're teaching to give to Krishna, but that to soften the heart, we should try to give somewhere, to somebody, something, every, just give, start giving. The more you give, then the more the heart will the self will expand, so to speak. The more you take, the more the self contracts and almost disappears. And then people think they have, there is no atma. That help? It's a little abstract, huh? You want to just like soften it up. Right like that. Well, <laughs> it's pretty hard. So it's, it's in the process, the method is, it's very easy bhakti, but it's, it's easy to give water to Krishna, it's easy to give a fruit or a leaf, but it's hard to give your heart at the same time. Therefore, we're beating one another over, over the head with, with knowledge. The knowledge, sambandagyan, the knowledge of, of, 
within the context of bhakti. Tatpadartha, tvampadartha, knowledge about you and about him and the relationship in the general sense. And then we get intimidated into like embarrassed to, to maintain our selfish position. We might have thought, what's wrong with eating meat? And then we come here and we think, oh, I don't think I can do that anymore. It means your heart is softened, you see. Isn't that's a much softer heart, huh? Your heart is softening. <laughs> it's working. <laughs> Anything else? Stop there. Gantraj Srimad Bhagavatam Vyad. Old Premanandi.